Welcome back to our systematic theology study. This week we are on number 15, Providence. Uh, last week we looked at the will of God, and then next time we'll look at created out of nothing, but we won't be meeting again until January 9th. We'll take a little break here at the end of the year. But 15 sessions means we are one quarter of the way through our study of systematic theology. Um, it's hard to believe we're already a quarter through, but it's also hard to believe we still have a long way to go. Um, so this time I wanted to read an article that kind of goes along with what we're reviewing tonight, and then we'll stop and watch our video, and then we'll go through our overview of the video, and then we're going to read a little bit from our confession as well to, to reinforce what we're learning. Um, so here's an article uh, I found that's, that's uh, related. How intimately is God involved in our lives? Is he a loving presence who wants the best for us, a kind of cosmic cheerleader who's definitely rooting for us on the sidelines, but who can't really get involved in the game? The Keech's Baptist Catechism defines providence like this in question number 14. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. This encompasses the idea that God is wisely and lovingly provides for his children. He provides for everyone in one sense, life, breath, and every good thing we enjoy. But there's a particularly profound way in which he provides for his own family, which is you if you are in Christ. This is the providence that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when he says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good of those who love God. That verse means that all the things God brings into our lives, however difficult they may be, are actually working together for our good. It also means, of course, that all the things we may deeply desire but have not yet received and may never receive have been withheld from us for our good. One of my favorite books is John Newton's Letters. He puts it like this, All shall work together for good. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. What a sense of calm and joy we'd experience if we believed that truth. It's important to see that this providence, this providing for, isn't merely God's reaction to our ever-changing needs. It's more than that. Our <coughs> word providence comes from the Greek pronoia, which means forethought, and also the Latin providentia, which means to provide beforehand. The word providence then conveys the idea that when God provides for us, it's because he already knows what we need far, far in advance of it happening in time. He has already ordered things accordingly. When Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him, he doesn't mean your father reads your mind as soon as you think it. No, the father's knowledge of you, the entire span of your life, all that will happen within it, and all that you will need, is something he has always known. In Isaiah 46.10, God says, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, 
saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. So his good providence for you is something that was set irrevocably before time began. So it's not subject to human interference or rebellion. Rolling with the punches isn't something God needs to do, because nothing we do, nothing anyone does, comes as a surprise to him, because everything that happens is because of his wise providence. But what about when people do evil things? Surely we can't say that evil is a part of God's good and wise plan. But listen to what the disciples pray in Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. They're talking here about the great, greatest of all evil acts, the murder of Jesus. In this city, they say, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So God the Father predestined the crucifixion of God the Son. It had always been a part of his good and wise providence. This doesn't mean that God is the author of evil, or that he endorses evil, or that he somehow compelled people to murder Jesus against their will, but it does mean that what they did, they did because it was God's providential plan that they do so. Nothing falls outside the realm of God's providence. All shall work together for good, even the death of God's Son. And for those of us who are the eternal beneficiaries of that death, we of all people should be in no doubt that all things, even the bad things, work together for our good. All right, so I thought that would be a helpful introduction to what we're going to discuss now uh, in the video. And like I said, we'll come back and do our um, overview and read some more from our confession after the video. So let's pause now. All right, we have just finished watching our video. I think it was a good one, good session. So let's uh, let's go through our overview here before we dive into our uh, confession. All right, providence, uh, introduction. According to the secular mindset, God is just a spectator in heaven with no real control over anything that happens on earth. But Christians have always had a sense that, that this is our Father's world and that He holds the affairs of men and nations in His hands. God is actively involved in preserving His creation, even working His will through our intentional decisions. Overview Paul states with extraordinary strength in Romans 8.28 that God causes all things to work for the good of those who love Him. Since the founding of our country, even since the Civil War, our thoughts on how our lives relate to the sovereign government of God have changed radically. So let's pause here and let's uh, reread uh, Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, one of you want to read that? Do you have it open? predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we can we can see the certainty of those statements. Um, what then shall we say to these things? So what is our response? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he talked about this Latin phrase, Deus pro nobis, which means God for us. What is providence? The root of the word providence means to see. The prefix means beforehand. But theologically, this word doesn't simply mean foreknowledge. It is more akin to provision. Genesis 22 first introduces us to the idea of providence. And you remember he talked about, uh, about that story about Abraham and, and uh, going up for the sacrifice. Providence covers several areas, including su- sustaining or preserving and provision. Uh, we, we discuss the doctrine of concurrence. Although God is not the author of sin, what we meant for evil, God meant for good. And finally, we looked at Judas and concurrence. All right, so let's look at our uh, review questions that just help us uh, to remember the important points here. Uh, What word refers chiefly to God's government of creation? That would be providence. Does God promise in Romans 8, 28 through 30 that everything will go well in life for Christians? No. No. What word is closest in meaning to the word providence? Provision. Provision. Uh, what does Deus pro nobis mean? God for us. We first encounter the use of the word providence in which Old Testament story? Abraham up Isaac. Yep, Abraham offering up Isaac. What is the Hebrew word for create? Unfortunately, our video, I think, blinked right at that time, but uh, bara is the, is the Hebrew word. Uh, all right, our discussion questions. Why is Paul so certain about what he says in Romans 8.28, and what other evidence for this is found in Scripture? Thoughts on that? Why is he so certain when he says that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good? He doesn't say we hope they do, or we think they do, or he says we know they do. Well, it's because he knows and believes that God is for his people. Um, we serve a, a, a loving, caring God, and uh, he wants uh, what is best for us, and he is certain of that. And it says, what other evidence for this is found in Scripture? And uh, we, we talked about a couple of stories there in the, in the video. We talked about the story of Joseph, and we talked about the story of Abraham and Isaac. And of course, you, you're welcome to more fully read and explore those in in Scripture uh, later, if you like. All right, what does the word providence mean? It means to see beforehand. 
is more akin to provision. Right. So literally, it means to see beforehand. Right. Uh, but theolog theologically, it's more uh, closer to provision, the idea of provision. Right. You were saying it conveys when God provides. what we need, right? Yeah. Where in the Bible is providence first mentioned? Genesis 22. Correct. Genesis 22. And, and how is it mentioned there? Abraham and Isaac. And... Yeah. What does Abraham say? He said that God will provide. Yep. God will provide. All right. What areas does providence cover? Yep, that's what we talked about. Sustenance or preservation and provision. All right, what is the doctrine of concurrence? Although God is not the author of sin, what we meant for evil, God meant for good. Right, so it's the coming together of what we meant for evil and God meant for good. Um, let's read Deuteronomy 29.29. Can one of you pull that up real quick? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. Okay, so in light of that, do we ever know for sure exactly how God's will and sin interface? Yeah. No. So the answer would be no, we, we don't uh, know exactly because God's will simply doesn't fully reveal that. Okay, so that's our overview, but I wanted to also um, tonight look at what our confession says on the subject of providence. So if you will, turn with me in the back of your hymnals in our confession and turn with me to chapter 5. Chapter 5 is entitled, Of Divine Providence. So you follow along here. Um, paragraph 1. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, to the end for the which they were created, according unto his infallible foreknowledge, and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. Paragraph 2. Although in relation to the foreknowledge and degree of God, the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly, so that there is not anything befalls any by chance, which we talked about in the video, remember the people trying to replace God with the concept of chance, or without his providence. Yet by the same providence he ordereth them to fall out according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. Paragraph 3. God in his ordinary providence maketh use of means, yet is free to work without, above, and against them at his pleasure. 
For the almighty power, unsearchable wisdom, and infinite goodness of God so far manifest themselves in his providence that his determinative counsel extendeth itself even to the first fall, and all other sinful actions, both of angels and men, and that not by a bare permission, but which he most wisely and powerfully bondeth, and otherwise ordereth and governeth, in a manifold dispensation to his most holy ends. Yet so, as the sinfulness of their acts proceedeth only from the creatures, and not from God, who, being most holy and righteous, neither is nor can be the author or approver of sin. So we talked about that too, um, with the doctrine of concurrence, that God is most certainly not the author of evil or sin, um, or even approves of it. Yet still, in his uh, infinite, wise providence, he works things for our good, even through our sinful actions and decisions. Chapter 5, sorry, paragraph 5. The most wise, righteous, and gracious God doth oftentimes leave for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruptions of their own hearts, to chastise them for their former sins, or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled, and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself, and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin, and for other just and holy ends. So that whatsoever befalls any of his elect is by his appointment, for his glory and their good. Paragraph 6. As for those wicked and ungodly men whom God, as a righteous judge, for former sin doth blind and harden, from them he not only withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understanding, and wrought upon in their hearts, but sometimes also withdraweth the gifts which they had, and exposeth them to such objects as their corruption makes occasion of sin, and withal gives them over to their own lusts, the temptations of the world, and the power of Satan, whereby it comes to pass that they harden themselves, even under these means which God useth for the softening of others. So, we've certainly talked about that uh, in our Judges series, our sermon series, um, and uh, the, giving over to a, a debased or reprobate mind. Okay, paragraph 7. As the providence of God doth in general reach to all creatures, so after a most special manner it taketh care of his church, and disposeth of all things to the good thereof. Okay, so uh, do you guys have any comments or thoughts or, or questions uh, about what our confession says or even about the, the video we watched? You mentioned Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Yep, he will accomplish all his purpose. So was this a, a helpful session? And uh, it's interesting what he talked about in the video about how often we get anxious uh, 
for provision and, and for necessities of life uh, rather than trusting in our our good God and our loving Father to uh, take care of his children, which he has promised to do. <laughs> I think you know, a lot of times we use that term, God's providence, you know, and it's nice to know when you're saying, talking about God's providence, we're conveying that he knows all things and he will provide for us and we will know before we ask him. Right. But at the same time, we do have to be careful, you know, kind of like Paul says, you know, what then should we use this as an excuse to that sin may abound? Certainly not. So um, just because everything falls under the providence of God doesn't give us a, a license to to uh, to be hedonistic to sin willfully whenever we want and claim, well, it's all the providence of God. <laughs> we, we still have an obligation to obey our Heavenly Father and uh, just trust in Him that when we do uh, sin, that He will work it out for our good if we love Him. All right, well, let's, uh, let's close up in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this opportunity to come together and to learn and study Your Word and Your truth and to meditate upon uh, your holy providence and Lord just try to understand in our, our finite minds um, how you work things out for our good uh, even uh, when we sin even when we break your law and even when we uh, fail you Lord we do ask uh, though that you would give us uh, fill us with a spirit of righteousness to, to hate our sin and uh, Lord to obey you and obey your law and Lord, to trust you and trust your wisdom and trust in you for everything we need. Uh, you promise us that as your children, you will provide. Uh, you are a good God. You are a good Father. Um, Lord, you, um, you love your children. And we just pray that we would trust in you and that um, we would fight against our unbelief, fight against our doubts and our fears, Lord, and put our anxieties away as you have commanded us to do. Um, we thank you so much that in your divine providence uh, you did offer up your only son to be the final fully sufficient sacrifice for our sin. And Lord, it is in the uh, wonderful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.